Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Thank you for choosing this podcast for all of your SpongeBob needs. On today's episode, I speak with Dysphoria. He is a 21-year-old artist from Mexico who is an animator on the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated. I had such a wonderful conversation with him about how SpongeBob is perceived in his country um, because that's always been interesting to me is um, America is is such a uh, such a central point of entertainment of animation and movies and those get sent around the world so I always like to talk with people who are from different parts of the world and and hey how does how does this cartoon how does it come across in your in your country uh is Spongebob fairly popular things like that um and I and I just love the idea that I could wear a Spongebob shirt and go to almost any country in the world and and they would recognize Spongebob. Uh, so I had a wonderful conversation with Dysphoria. Uh, please uh, check out the links for uh, any of the social media that he, he gave to me in the podcast description. If you can't, depending on where you're listening, listening to this podcast, um, they may not let you click on any of those links or I don't know how much they show, but if you go to my anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, uh, you, you'll be able to click on those links. So definitely check out his work. Um, but man, such crazy news. Uh, I, I'm of course a big fan of SpongeBob. Uh, second to that, I'm a big fan of, of comics and superheroes. And I'm sure after that, you already know where I'm going with this. Um, one of the biggest things in my life that has kind of kept me excited has been the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it, it just every friend I have is into these movies. Um, I, I have to, like, talk about these because it's just it's unprecedented the work that Marvel has done uh, since the very first Iron Man movie back in 2008. To see the the world they've been able to build on screen and the cast of characters, superheroes that were D and C level heroes that are now household names because of these movies. It's it's just incredible to me. And and one of the biggest successes out of the MCU of taking a, a lower level hero and making them a household name was was Black Panther. And unfortunately, uh, two days after this recording, 
on August 28th, we lost the actor behind the Black Panther, Chadwick Aaron Bozeman. Um, and it was it's I have so much to say and obviously so little time. But what what a career, what an actor um, had a role that is so monumental in so many ways. The, the role of being Black Panther in that movie. Um, and, and just in the last few days, talking with, with friends and, and coworkers and customers and family and just learning that, that this impact will be felt for generations to come. Uh, kids being able to go to the movie theater and see a superhero as, as absolutely awesome as the Black Panther and be able to say, hey, he looks like me. And for for uh, that movie, just for how much of the African culture they were able to bring in and throw up on the big screen. I remember seeing it on opening night and just uh, the, the scene when they first get back to Wakanda and they're at the waterfall and, and T'Challa is, is about to fight M'Baku. And I just sat there going, this this is incredible. This is going to send shockwaves throughout the world. And it did. And it did, and it blew up bigger than I think anyone would have ever expected. And as a comics fan, I mean, I read a few books and stories that featured the Black Panther, but he was never the central point of any of the stories I read. He seemed like a, a, a big character within the world, but I never got to read any any stories that was that was centralized to to Black Panther. Um, it, it wasn't until the Black Panther show on uh, BET, it was six episodes, uh, I, I watched that and got to kind of figure out more of the world of the Black Panther and, and even fell more in love with with that world, with Wakanda, with the idea of the Black Panther, and then when I knew they were going to bring him into the MCU, I, they already knocked it out of the park with Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, the Hulk... Uh, at that point, you know, characters like Ant-Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy, mind you, for those not really comic uh, literate or anyone who didn't know anything about the comics, the Guardians of the Galaxy were like a D-level superhero team. They were so niche. And the fact that Marvel Studios were able to take these characters and make them so iconic that the Guardians of the Galaxy are now derived more from the movie than their previous incarnations. So I knew that that Marvel Studios can make this kind of impact. And the second I knew they were going to go towards Black Panther, I, I was like, they're going to blow this out of the water. And they did. And Black Panther came out and made Chadwick Boseman an absolute household name, made the Black Panther a household name. And man, what what an actor. Beyond his roles as Black Panther, I have a friend who spoke fairly highly of Chadwick Boseman years before Black Panther when he saw 42, the biopic about Jackie Robinson. And then he went on to be James Brown and get on up a few years later. Actually, I think it was one year later. I think 42, I think, came out in 2013, and I think it was one year later he was James Brown. And then he was also Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall, in Marshall back in 2017. It, it, it's absolutely incredible to see the, the work that this guy was able to put in in such a short amount of time. Uh, in looking up this information, his first acting credit is 2003. He was on All My Children as Reggie Porter. So from 2003 
all the way to 2020. And, and beyond talking about his work as an actor, I mean, he has these roles that are, are iconic. They're massive. They're larger than life. The man was a, a class act human being. Honestly, stronger than we would ever expect any other human to be in his situation. To learn that for the last few years, making six to seven movies while dealing with stage three colon cancer. I, I know that's some heavy stuff, but sometimes you got to take that heavy stuff and take a step back and, and, and look at the big picture. This guy was was making movies, visiting children in, in hospitals, dealing with their own forms of cancer or other ailments just to put a smile on their face. And to know that this entire time he was dealing with it without without there was not even a rumor. I don't remember hearing a single rumor in the last few years that he was dealing with any sort of ailments. I could go on for the next hour talking about how great he was as an actor, as a human being. And I the biggest thing I could say, two things. I think it is greater to shine slightly in this world than to never shine at all. And I think in the time that Shadwick Boseman had in the spotlight, he used it to honor those that helped him get there. I recommend anybody to look up his speech that he gave to Denzel Washington. To look up what Angela Bassett, his co-star from Black Panther, said. How incredible that it was that he, on the day that she went to Howard University to uh, to be honored with an honorary degree, he happened to be the student that was her escort for the day, and she had no idea about this. But I'm going to read you one statement from Chadwick Boseman, which has been making the rounds off the internet. So if you've heard this, by all means, or if you read this, I'm going to read it for you, but it was the last text message he sent Josh Gad. Josh Gad, of course, most well-known for voicing Olaf in Frozen, but is also an excellent character actor in his own right. But I guess he was good friends with Chadwick, and he, he sent this text to him, I think, fairly recently. And Josh Gad screenshotted this text message and, and put it up online. And I'm going to read it to you now. Catch the rain. If you are in Los Angeles, you woke up this morning to the rare and peaceful sound of a steady per precipitation. If you're like me, maybe you looked at the week's forecast and found that it's supposed to rain for three straight days, not without breaks of sunlight and reprieves of moist gloom. But yeah, it's going to be coming down like cats and dogs. Great. We're stuck inside these damn quarantines because of the COVID, and now we can't even get no sun in Cali. Come on now. But now that the rain has stopped and today's storm is cleared, I urge you to go outside and take a deep breath. Notice how fresh the air is right now. After our skies have had a three-week break from the usual relentless barrage of fumes from bumper-to-bumper -bumper L.A. commuters, and now today's rain has given the City of Angels a long-overdue and much-needed shower. Inhale and exhale this moment. And thank God for the unique beauties and wonders of this day. We should take advantage of every moment we can to enjoy the simplicity of God's creation, whether it be clear skies and sun or clouded over with gloom. And hey, if the air is this clear right now and it does rain tomorrow, 
I might even put jars and bins out and catch the rain. Throw that in the water filter, and I have a water more alkaline than any bottled brand out there. That was a text message that Chadwick Boseman said to Josh Gad. I think the man was wise beyond his years. And I have so much respect for him, his family, what they've gone through has been incredibly hard over the last couple days. But as a fan, I am so thankful for his work to have been seen by millions of people around the world. I am glad to call myself a fan of the Black Panther. I am glad to call myself a fan of Chadwick Boseman, and I hope he rests in peace. I hope he rests in power. And I know that his iconic role will be felt for generations to come. Now, I know that this is all heavy stuff we're dealing with, but just like when we lost Steven Hillenberg, I think it is the most appropriate to smile and remember and be thankful for those that we have been able to share the same earth with at the same time and especially those in entertainment who have given us their creativity to to soak in as much of, of their work as we can. So please, enjoy a night watching Black Panther. Watch his role in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Watch Civil War. Go watch 42. Marshall, get on up. Any of the other movies he's been a part of, TV shows. And just know that at the same time you lived, one of the greatest actors that we had of a generation was with you as well. I don't want to speculate what Marvel might do next with the Black Panther character. Of course, there was already the announcement of Black Panther 2. I've given them enough trust over the last decade in their movies, and they have very rarely failed me. So I know that whatever decision they decide to make will be the right one. So thank you, Chadwick. Wherever you are right now, thank you for your work. Thank you for having faith in the Black Panther brand. And just know that for generations, that, that role in that movie and what it stood for will be felt longer than even any of us are on this planet. Now onto a bit of a lighter note before we get into today's episode, uh, the the Funko YouTube series I've been talking about for a couple months now, uh, reviewing every single Nickelodeon show, uh, their their entire Funko line. Uh, I actually have a few episodes in the can. Um, at least the, the a big chunk of the filming has been done. Uh, I fully believe in a in a in a pulled back curtain. Um, so hopefully I can get some more footage, get to the editing. And I at least would like the first episode to drop before year's end. I'm giving myself a nice big chunk of time where it's like, all right, you can't really screw this up. Uh, but, of course, life life can get in the way. So uh, for now, just, just know that those are currently being worked on and I'll have more information. By all means, I'll have more information soon. But by all means, follow us on uh, YouTube. 
YouTube.com. Search up I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Follow our YouTube channel. All of our episodes uh, get released on there. They also get released on Facebook, and, and the uh, Funko video will get released on both YouTube and Facebook. So if you follow us on one of those platforms, uh, that's where the episodes will be uploaded. So we have today's episode, SB129. Certainly out of the entire first season of SpongeBob, the most out there, outlandish story featuring Squidward going off into the past, going off into the future. Craziness ensues. Sci-fi has been brought into the SpongeBob world. One of my favorite first season episodes. And enjoy as I talk with Dysphoria about his art, how he got involved with the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated, and we watch SB129 together. Enjoy. So just with, with every other guest we've had on, I always kind of like to start with where you first came across SpongeBob, because like myself, I can assume you're a big SpongeBob fan, and I'd just like to know, what what was your earliest memory of SpongeBob? The, the, like the very first thing that comes to mind. That's, that's pretty difficult, because um, I was born in 1989, the same year SpongeBob was it. Um, so we could say that I grew up with the character. I think that the early memory that I have about SpongeBob was maybe when I was three years old. I remember that I already had uh, a lot of merchandise of the character. I had clothes, I had toys, plushies, posters. Uh, <laughs> um, so literally as you were growing up, there was already a ton of SpongeBob stuff around you. Oh, yes. So, I I mean, I was five years old when the movie came out. And so, my theory is that, well, when I was like a toddler, there was a Nickton, there was a Nick Jr. show called Blues Clues, I think is the English name of the show. Well, what's it called in uh, your country, actually? Because just, just for the um, listeners know, you're actually you're from Mexico, correct? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, in Spanish, the, this show is called Las Pistas de Blue. <laughs> Oh, it's that's still translation. <laughs> is it is it a almost literal translation right there? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so my theory is that when I was watching this show as a toddler, uh, after it finished, it is just a SpongeBob, and this is the way I just <laughs> knew about the character. So <laughs> because was uh, because Blue's Clues and SpongeBob was the first cartoon I remember that I ever seen. So, <laughs> What was your, I mean, I, I, by the time Blue's Clues up here first debuted, I was already a little older, so I kind of, um, I, I knew, I had seen Roger Rabbit as a movie, so I knew the idea of putting, you know, cartoons with live action humans. Um, as a kid, though, did were you blown away by this? I mean, was, how, how was that feeling of seeing a, a human interacting with cartoons on television well it was a curious thing but i think that i was more curious about how how is it was made right uh, 
how they combine these live action segments with the animation. I was like, uh, how how is this made? Right, yeah. they they record <laughs> Steve acting, or they was playing the animation when he was acting at the center. I, I was more curious about this aspect of the show, <laughs> more than the oh this this is <laughs> a human is um, what's it a human is stuck into a dog. <laughs> like a yeah a cartoon world. Um, Growing up, though, I mean, one of the biggest things when, when you and I were speaking and, and realizing, oh, we, you know, we have a cultural, you know, such such a length between us in terms of just both where we are in the world um, and our, our world overview. When you were growing up and you had Bob, SpongeBob all around you, did you do you think he was a fairly uh, popular character where you were growing up? Well, yes, it was always a popular character, um, even here in, for example, Mexico. Um, although it is well, it was a um, foreigner production. It was really popular, and, and even today, it's really, really popular. It was like, <laughs> it. Um, I cannot think on a day that a cure for the classic SpongeBob. Yeah. yeah would you say, I mean, because I know probably the one cartoon character I The one cartoon character, there's about three in, in America. There's Mickey Mouse that is just absolutely everywhere. There's Bugs Bunny, and then there's SpongeBob. Um, how do you think SpongeBob went, you know, who do you think was the most popular cartoon character uh, in Mexico, or at least the areas you lived around? Who Was there another character bigger than SpongeBob? Well, this it's called some weird because the another example that I call remember, it's The Simpsons. I, I think it's not a child, <laughs> a child cartoon, a kids cartoon. Right, right. Um, a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. So I think that The Simpsons is um, a bit more popular than SpongeBob because well, it it has a um, a great audience than SpongeBob because SpongeBob was for kids and The Simpsons were for adults and um, young people. <laughs> and and I'm um, of course because the the Latin American version of the Simpsons had a lot of uh, Mexican modding the modins uh, had a lot of this Latin American culture in in, in their dubs. So a lot of <laughs> a lot of cues from the Simpsons are at uh, at the same as SpongeBob is very referenced in early time in this part of the world. So I think that The Simpsons, SpongeBob, and maybe Mickey Mouse, and kind of well, Mickey Mouse is more like a classic character. Now it's like every everyone in the world knows who is Mickey Mouse, right? Oh, of course, uh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> and I and I think that over time, SpongeBob has gotten to that level where I think I could go to another country in the world and have a SpongeBob shirt and there would be kids or at least even teenagers or adults who would know who that character is, which is, is kind of nice to know that you've, you've at least I can only imagine what Mr. Hillenberg thought having his creation just everywhere in the world. Almost you could go to anywhere that has a television and SpongeBob is on. Oh, yes. I can't remember that. Hillenberg once, once say that when he was in vacation, I mean, I think in the Middle East, he <laughs> he came across with a girl that had a um, put like SpongeBob item. I, I can't remember what item was, but <laughs> but I <laughs> so Hillenburg 
was impressed that even there was bootleg items about SpongeBob in faraway places from the USA. Right? See, that's that's where you know you make it because if your if your show is popular enough where they're making bootlegs of it, that's that's when you know you've you've made something good. Now, uh, you you are an animator on the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated, correct? Yes. Um, um, I've been in the project since March, and uh, I already finished my scene since April. It, it took me like a week to, to to finish that little scene. How how long have um, you been animating for? Well, I I'm not really into animation. Well, of course I'm. I'm studying digital art that is related to animation. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that I became interested in this when I was 11 years old. I used to draw a lot of, of comics and some few sketches, characters, and I had some experiments with animation. Uh, there was simple animation <laughs> made in, in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> I took Ms. Paint and Windows Maker, and I used to make this stick figures animation. Um, Sadly, those animation are lost in time. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> I look. Where I I, I I still love. I mean, there's nothing that would make me happier than if I ever was came across an old computer than to open up Microsoft Paint and just kind of mess around in there and and doodle and all the old techniques I used to use. Yes. Um. Yeah, right now I'm, well, as I said, I'm studying digital art, but I think that I'm not like an animator. I think that I'm most like um, an illustrator. Um, however, when I discovered this project, I think that it was a nice try to to do some animation for the movie. <laughs> so this was like, oh, hey, I, I can do something for this. And because it was SpongeBob, of course. <laughs> Yeah, you you had to jump on it. I mean, that was the same thing I did the second there was. A, I knew that there was some sort of plan with SpongeBob. I knew I had to be a part of it. Um, would you? What what uh, what scene did you get for the movie by chance? Is that something you want to say, or you want to keep it a little bit of a secret? Uh, well, it's not a secret anymore because uh, it is even in the second trailer of the movie. Is um, do you remember the scene when? It is Dennis in this highway in, the, in his bike, and he destroys a pile of cranes. Yes, and it, yes. It, it, it's, it's right before when this this sign of meanwhile came across, right? Uh, so I animate those, all of this sequence. Um, the technique I used was actually pixel art um, with this 80s aesthetic, this 80s aesthetic <laughs> based in vaporware. That's a that's a good mashup that you have right there. I love pixel art and anything with the '80s. I I absolutely love. And you said it took you a week to to create that. I, it's you said you finished that in April, so it's been so much longer. Do you think in that amount of time since you finished that scene to now, if you were to start it again, would you do anything differently? Maybe I could um, fix some errors in the. In the renderization of the, in the render, in the renderization of the animation, because it has some errors that was caused due to the video editor, and I, I didn't know how to fix it. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it is it is fine for whatever I did. 
so yeah. Um, so yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I watched that trailer, and for for anybody listening, if you want to quickly see that trailer, I'll leave it in the description of the podcast. Um, but there was just so much going on, and everybody has done such a wonderful job. I can't wait to see the the finished product. Uh, but before we move on to SB129, we're actually going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to watch the episode. 2,000 years later. And we're back from our uh, nice break. Now, the uh, the episode we are going to be watching today is, is kind of an important one. Um, it's one of the first times in the first season of, of SpongeBob where the writers and the animators seemed to be given free range, that they're they're able to do whatever they want to do. And the writers clearly took this concept of, of Squidward being locked in a freezer and send him all over time into even voidless space. Um, I, it's, it's probably, if I were to list everything right now, I have a lot of favorite episodes in Season 1. SB129 would probably be in my top five, if not top three, simply because... It, it kind of deals with sci-fi a little bit more, which I, I absolutely love, but I like these kind of episodes that can just go off and have fun and do whatever they'd like to do. Um, the title SB19 is actually um, is its production code. So for those that don't know, SB stands for SpongeBob. Well, you, you should know that. Um, and this was the 29th segment produced for the first season. So that's where you get the number 129. And that's how they actually list the episodes out uh, on the production end of things. So it was kind of a little funny gag that they used that as the actual title for the episode because it does sound super futuristic. Um, so, yeah, uh, Dysphoria, when you, I got to ask, you, you did sign up for this episode. Is this, is this a favorite episode of yours? Oh yes, it is one of my favorites of the first season, uh, and, and I think it was a favorite of the third season, the third series, sorry, um, because I'll, I really like these time travel subject, subjects, right? <laughs> time travels are one of my favorite tropes of all, and in this case, well, it's SpongeBob with time travel. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. And here's here's another cool thing. This episode debuted in America on December 31st, 1999. It was a part of a marathon of a bunch of other Nicktoons either having new episodes that have to do with futuristic elements because the, the new millennium was, was coming up. So it aired New Year's Eve. Uh, along with another Nick, with all, you know, a bunch of other Nicktoons. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Um so, if anybody would like to watch along with us, you can have the episode up. I know it is the first segment, and normally uh, we we go through the intro. Uh, I'm I'm trying to cut down on that, so uh, make it to the start of the uh, title card here. And if you are all, everyone is all set up, you can watch along with us and press play now. Uh, the the first thing that we see in this is this animated title card, which is actually the first time in the series they had not only an animated title card, but the first time that somebody, uh, uh, there, there's like a narrator that actually says the name of the episode. That actually never happened before. Um, so what a cool way to start this episode out, especially in the fact that it's also a Squidward-centric episode. E even as a kid, I don't know what 
it was about Squidward, but even though most kids didn't like him, I, I f- absolutely fell in love with Squidward. He was one of my favorite characters from the beginning. You don't like Squidward? Really? <laughs> um, I, I think there's so many cartoons um, in America, and I can a lot of them came at the time where there was a trope used where the neighbor of the characters could be kind of a cranky jerk. Uh, there's a lot of Nicktoons who do that. Also, a lot of Nicktoons where the neighbors are fairly nice people, uh, kind of like Mr. Dink from Doug. Um, but yeah, I just noticed that there was some a lot of tunes at the time that usually would, would have this like angry neighbor archetype. Um, and I think kids liked Squidward, but it seems like they liked Squidward because he would get annoyed by SpongeBob and Patrick. Yeah, um, but then I think over time, though, like myself, I grew up with SpongeBob. I was nine when it first uh, came out, eight years old. Um, And over time, I've learned to just love Squidward even more than I did as a kid because now I'm in those situations where I kind of want to relax on my days off and I really don't want to go to work. Same, same. Uh, And also, it is also relatable because Squidward is an artist, right? (laughs) He is a frustrated artist that work from <laughs> from a full spot uh restaurant <laughs> yeah yeah and he wants he wants to he wants to be a, a, a full-time artist he doesn't want to work at the restaurant but of course that's the life cycle of of artists out there you know you take the money you make from the job you don't like and you you put it towards your art uh so so we have another trope here that's been used a few times in which a character gets locked in a freezer. Uh, freezers, yes, at one point used because the doors have to be held so tightly, had a problem uh, opening up from the inside. Uh, but it's actually not that big of a deal. I think the last time I ever really looked at those kind of dangerous freezers by the mid-90s to, to the time that this episode was being made, they weren't really a thing anymore. But... uh I can imagine Mr. Krabs would have the oldest kind of freezer available. Um, it's also um, very logical that no one um, remembers Squidward that he's in the freezer, right? I was <laughs> literally <laughs> just thinking that. Like, for for 2,000 years, they never opened up that freezer again. So, what are they, what are they meet for the... Uh, Burgers came out. <laughs> if they are from the freezer, so where they? <laughs> so nope. Where they they, they were they saw they saw Squidward in the doorway, and they were like, "Ah, oh, let's not open that door." So yes. So this but, is the scene of the Chrome, right? <laughs> yeah, everything is Chrome in the future, which is crazy because here we are, here we are, twenty years later, and there's not that much Chrome out there. Yeah, and now it's more like minimalism and this um, monochromatic um, palette colors. This <laughs> so it's kind of look like chromo, like chrome. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I I wonder what their thought process is of. I, I mean, this is clearly just a a fun future for for them, but. I'd kind of like to explore this world a little more. Go out into this chrome world where they have to spray paint everything chrome. And and have mul- multiple clones of SpongeBob, which seems like a weird thing to do. Every leather in existence. 
<laughs> Everything. Uh, except, if you notice, SpongeBob's net and his hat are not chrome, and the clothing they wear seems the same, so I guess clothing must not count. Oh, um, I, I noticed a uh, little fact. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that calendar in the in the wall, that it's a March um, 4017. Um, if we consider that this episode takes 2,000 years in the future, so this means that the present in that episode takes place in 2017. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that, that is true. Uh, March 6, 2017. Uh, yeah, we are, we are definitely not at the all-chrome future. Uh, what's your, you mentioned you liked time travel. You liked the time travel element. Do you have a favorite time travel movie or TV show? I think of an anime, and uh, I don't know if you are, uh, you know about uh, a lot of anime. Um, there is an anime series called Stains Gate that is about a guy from Japan that made a time machine, time machine by uh, that score a time machine, and it is involving a lot of conspiracies. And it's a really good series. I also like, of course, Back to the Future. <laughs> Thanks to my father, that is a, a really fun from from the series. Um, what another um, time time travel stuff? Um, I've never seen that show before, but I'll definitely look it up. I, I I'm very picky with the anime I watch simply because uh, if if I start a show that has like 500 episodes, it's very uh, intimidating to me to start that. Uh, well, this series is actually just 24 episodes. Uh, it is based on a visual novel. It's like a video game you, that you only... Uh, like a graphic adventure. Um, well, it, it's kind of interesting, but I think that the problem that this series has is that it is too Japanese. It, is, it has a lot of Japanese culture, and I don't think... People who are not familiar with anime could understand a lot of the reference that this series had. But you think that yeah. would be you think that would be a turnoff to them? Um. Well, <laughs> I, I will. I don't know how familiar you are with anime, but um, you can have a chance with it. But <laughs> I will certainly. I, I mean, I'll absolutely. I'll give everything a, a chance. Uh, now, so we see Squidward here goes all the way to the past and deals with um, a caveman Spongebob and a caveman uh, primitive, primitive Spongebob and Primitive Patrick. Uh, this, as a kid, these designs I absolutely loved. I love the big, sharp teeth. Uh, and even when they... Oh, and here we have the Spongebob meme uh, of him as the caveman. Super popular. But I, I love these designs, and I, I was kind of disappointed that when they eventually did do the the prehistoric episode, they kind of cute. They made like the characters of Sponge Gar and Pat Gar. They made them all a little bit too cutesy for me. I like these like crude caveman designs. Yeah, same. I also like all the all of these backgrounds that resemble the prehistoric creatures from the from the sea. Um, I think that that this little segment from the past is well at least in the art style it's more interesting that the another special that occurs in prehistoric times um yes i also like this 
fair all the signs that these <laughs> primitive SpongeBob and Patrick have. <laughs> yeah, I love that even in the past, a sponge and a starfish are going to become friends in some capacity. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the the backgrounds in this episode, I, it's definitely me. I I feel like an episode like this has to come at a promise to to the writing staff. Like, all right, if you write this other episode, you don't really want to do. We'll give you a fun one, or with the art crew, because up to this point, this is the most out there SpongeBob episode we've had. Also, one of the more most creatives in in style and animation. For example, the the segment that is it's next when Squidward is in this blank world. <laughs> uh, when when I watched this uh, as a kid, it was like a long mind because well, what is this? Where is Squidward? <laughs> it was like my first existentialist crisis. <laughs> it, like oh, uh, Squidward is hello. It really reminded me of my one of my favorite Looney Tunes shorts uh, called Duck Amuck, and it's it's this fun adventure of Daffy Duck having like this um, angry relationship with the animator, and the animator is doing things and drawing things on Daffy as he's telling him not to, and it's this constant back and forth. So that moment of Squidward being alone in this space where all this weird stuff is happening without, you know, around him, it completely reminds me of that kind of episode. Uh, or of that short. I mean, back then, those shorts used to air in, in theaters and not on television. Yes. yes I also watched, the, watched that, uh, that short. <laughs> um, also, there was a commonly joke the uh, same in the anime community. Uh, the, <laughs> there is an anime named Evangelion that in yeah. the last last episode, it has like this type of animation that is only the character in a blank space. So there is that kind of joke that Squidward and the protagonist of Evangelion <laughs> share <laughs> this existentialist crisis. <laughs> but they, they, they're sharing the same space in that moment. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, who knows? All it takes is, is one creator or somebody having to do with the show to go like, yeah, that's true, and then it's confirmed. Um, but that was SB129. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about this episode. Um, it's it's not the funniest episode of season one, but as far as creativity, there's not a single episode you could point to that is more creative than, than what we just watched. Um, it, it's it's definitely laid its place uh, down on the table to really show what SpongeBob can do and how it doesn't have to stick to these strict guidelines of a story. And and I absolutely love this episode. Uh, and I, I'm glad you love it enough too, Dysphoria, to to have you sign up for it because uh, I I love talking with you. I I really I really do. Yeah, same. I could, I could say the same. Uh, so yeah, b before we go though, I do want to give you the uh, the uh, opportunity to promote any any of your social media that you would like fans who want to see more of your work or more of what you're doing day to day, where they can find that information. Oh, uh, again, I have um, a Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and everyone can search me as Dysphoria Chan. Um, <laughs> Yes, this Poria Chan in the three social media. I upload some 
illustrations <laughs> and sometimes pixel art. And currently I am working on a personal project. It's a video game. I'm oh, I'm goodness. gonna yes, I'm gonna upload some updates about that game. I don't know when it, it is gonna be finished, but <laughs> I will update it. Well, those personal projects never rush them yeah. because you you only have to work against yourself. Uh, so you said that's a video game. I'm just going to throw this question out there completely random. What's your favorite video game of all time? Oh, um, it's not a video game, but I think that the more personal that I have is The Lane of Zelda. Um, I was obsessed with Zelda when I was 11 years old. I even wrote stories based on the Zelda lore. Um, I also like a very lot uh, Metal Gear Solid. There you go. <laughs> Oh yes, and well, um, I think that the third is a Japanese game named Toho Project. It's very Japanese, and it is, and it it even had a lot of Japanese folklore and not, and not at all. But I think that my favorite game of all is Zelda. Like I say, <laughs> well, you can't you can't go wrong with the Legend of Zelda. Do you have a favorite game in the series? Link's Awakening. I didn't play the remake yet. But, uh, yes, yeah. you should definitely try it. It's it's absolutely worth playing again. <laughs> I always love any time a game gets remade because even if it's terrible, it makes you kind of appreciate the original one as well. Because uh, either way, you play you play a good game, in my opinion. Um, Dysphoria, thank you for being on the show. I, I really appreciate you picking this episode. I'm glad we were able to share it together, and uh, hopefully we can have you on on a future episode as well. Yes, I, I say the same as... Yeah, if anybody wants to follow any... Oh, oh, the pleasure is all over here, trust me. I uh, <laughs> Finding people to be on the show is, is not easy, and, and I really appreciate it. If you want to follow any of Dysphoria's social media links, I will put those in the description as well. And Dysphoria, thank you again for being on. Yes, yeah, same, same. Thank you. Ah!